Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 17. I am making the podcast a bit of a focus for the end of the year, so hopefully I'll get back to weekly episodes. I guess a quick update on what I've been doing this past month. This is recording at the end of September, and September's been a pretty big month of marketing within my business. So I launched my next in-person event, which is called The Art of Sharing, and that is going to be held in Newcastle on the 11th of October. So I'll put some details if you're in Newcastle and if you want to come along to that. And the last podcast episode, I, I spoke a bit about that and intellectual property, which is kind of the focus of that event. And what else? I spoke at a conference for virtual assistants, which was held in Newcastle. That was to a group of 50 VAs that had either started their business or were thinking about starting a VA business. So that was a lot of fun. And I also launched my magazine, Semplice, which I've spoken about, I think, on the podcast, definitely on social media. And you can buy a copy of that magazine through my website. So I'll include the link in the show notes for the podcast episode. And it's only available in print. So the reason behind the magazine, I probably will do in a separate um, podcast episode and kind of talk to you about that. But I had the idea to kind of create something that was a bit more long lasting than just a blog post that people can kind of scroll through and possibly forget about. So if you want to know a bit more about that, you can check out my Instagram because I've done a few posts about uh, that. But if you go to my website, it will also have, you know, the articles that are in the first issue. So in between that, I've been working on the event, as I said, been catching up with some people one-to-one. And next month, October, I'm going to lots of networking events. <laughs> so not just my own, but there's Gen Collective event, Chatterbox, which is a local group, and the Hunter Innovation Festival, which is an all-day conference. So lots happening in October as well. And I was thinking about the podcast today. So I, for the whole year, I've had a recurring calendar reminder every Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. And it says podcast recording. <clears throat> now, if you look at the number of podcasts that I've published, this is number 17, you will know that I have not kept that appointment with myself at 9.30 a.m. on a Wednesday because we're in September and there's only 17 podcast episodes to show for it. So the thing about podcasting is that I always feel like I've got a lot to say and a lot to talk about. But when I sit down to do it and press record, I second guess myself a lot. I think that's the biggest issue is because when you post on social media or if I send an email um, to my email list, it's quite short, really. You know, it might be a couple of paragraphs in an email. You know, the captions in Instagrams are quite short. I guess there's low emotional <laughs> attachment for me because I can do it. I can get it done. Whereas I feel like with the podcast, because I'm spending a bit more time uh, talking, I always think, oh, is this something that someone wants to hear about? Is this worth talking about? You know, I think that's where the second guessing comes into it. So in the last episode, I spoke a bit about how I do my content creation for my business, which is a little bit haphazard. 
But with the podcast, I've set out some topics that I want to talk about. And I guess I'm just going to stick to that as just a task that I'm going to do rather than second guessing whether the topic is of interest. I'm just going to do it. So that's why I'm here. And this topic that I'm going to talk about today, something that I've actually wanted to talk about for ages, but to be honest, I've been a little bit scared to talk about. And today's podcast episode is about legal costs and I guess exposing the secrets behind how lawyers charge for their time and explaining to you what is common in the legal industry. And the reason why I was a little bit scared to do this podcast is because the way that I do things is different from most law firms and different from most lawyers that I know in my area. And I've had discussions with lawyers around the way I do my pricing compared to I guess the old way in my view. And they're very nice about it, but they often will say to me, oh, well, that's not for me. We, we couldn't possibly do it that way. And that's why it's a little bit daunting to talk about something that is a bit different from the mold in my industry and kind of putting my neck out and saying, this is what I think. And I think my way is actually the better way. But it's not for me to get on a soapbox today and, and talk to you about why the way I do things is the better way. What I really want to do in this podcast and a big value of mine is helping break down the barriers that stop people from getting legal advice. And with many clients that I've worked with, one of the biggest obstacles is around the way lawyers charge. Either they don't know how it works they think it's going to be really expensive and that they can't afford it. So the purpose of this podcast is to tell you exactly how lawyers charge for their time. I'm going to give you examples of that. And then I'm going to tell you the new way and the way that I work with my clients. And really at the end of the day, it's up to you. You can compare once you've got all the information and you can decide which way you think is possibly the better way. So to start off, when I started in my first job in a law firm, literally one of the first things they teach you when you walk in the door is not how to write a letter or draft a document. It's how to record your time. Now, lawyers often blame accountants for this system, and I've heard that accountants often blame lawyers as well. So the, the majority of lawyers and law firms still charge for their time. So we are providing a service and we charge for the time spent providing that service. So as I said, when you get your first job in the in a law firm, you are taught how to record your time. So what does that mean? When you sit down at your desk every day, you have a budget and your day is broken down into six minute intervals. If you're at work for eight hours or eight and a half hours, you might have a budget of billable work of seven and a half hours, or some firms have six and a half or five and a half. So there's different budgets. So billable time just means the work that you do for clients that's going to end up on their bill and that you're going to send them for payment. So how does the six minute intervals work? Because I think this is where it, people get a little bit confused and kind of gloss over and go, okay, I guess that makes sense. So Lawyers will have an hourly rate. Now in Newcastle, I'm not, you know, people don't really disclose their rates, but 
I would say a partner level or senior lawyer would be charging around five or $600 plus GST per hour. Junior lawyers charge uh, a lower rate just to recognize they've got less experience and that's why the more senior lawyers charge a higher rate. In Sydney, I have heard that in the city, in the big law firms, partners are charging $1,000 an hour. So in that hour, your time is broken down into six minute chunks. So if I pick up the phone and take a phone call from a client that goes for three minutes, I have to record that as one unit of time, which is six minutes. Even though the call was three minutes, I put down six minutes of time. So that's how it works. If the call was seven minutes, I would put down two units of time, which is 12 minutes. And you can see where the six minute interval is meant to capture roughly the time that you would spend. If I look at an email from a client, so just say you send me an email and you have a question, looking at that email would be one unit, which is six minutes. Replying to that email, depending on how long it took me to maybe find a document to get an answer to that question, it could be one unit, it could be half an hour it took me to, to respond to that email and you would record that time and so on and so forth. So as you go out throughout your day, every single task that you do for a client gets recorded to the matter. Now, the idea with this is twofold from a law firm's perspective. Yes, they want to uh, use that information then to bill the client, but it's also a productivity measure as well to see how long people are spending on tasks and looking at what was the estimate of the cost that we, we gave to the client, which I'll talk about estimates separately. It's not really intended that every single bit of time that you record will end up on the final invoice. So, you know, we're taught as lawyers, put everything down because at the end of the month it gets reviewed and only, you know, the most relevant things will get billed to the client. But you can see maybe already that when you're recording every single part of your day, there is a lot of pressure on performance and productivity. So if you're doing something which can't be invoiced to a client, so just say you're kind of reviewing your emails for the day, making your to-do list, checking the appointments that might be in your calendar, grabbing a coffee, bathroom breaks, lunch break, chatting to a colleague in the office, all of that is non-billable time. And as an employee, I, I really found that part the hardest because you felt like you had to be productive all of the time. You almost got into a habit of counting time even when you're chatting to a colleague. You might be asking, you know, the water cooler chat, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? What are you doing this weekend? You would almost be checking the clock going, okay, that was, that was two minutes of two units of time. I need to make that up now and find, you know, do some extra work or stay back at lunch or stay back after five o'clock. So there are some problems from an employee perspective, I personally think, with billable time. But the point of it is, as I said, mostly to then put that time on an invoice that then gets charged to a client. So how do estimates work? So that's the background of how we actually record our time and what it looks like. So every single thing that we do gets recorded. So lawyers are actually pretty regulated in the way we have to disclose our costs. I think we're actually one of the most regulated industries around this. 
So there's lots of rules. We have to tell you what our costs are going to be if they're over $750. We have to continually update those estimates if we think they're going to change. And this is where I'm talking in the traditional law firm method. So if you see a lawyer that operates in this traditional way, you will tell them the work that you might need help with, or they'll help you work out what needs to be done. Then they have to give you an estimate of their costs. Now, back in the day, I've been doing this for 14 years, so the rules have changed a lot over the years. But back in the day, when I first started out, lawyers could give a range for their estimate. And I have seen ranges where it was, we think this work is going to cost between six and $10,000, or it's gonna cost between two and $4,000. Now, I don't know a lot about consumer psychology, but I'll tell you this, if I got an estimate from a lawyer and I saw it could cost between two and 4,000, that's a 50% increase if it goes over that lower range. And 10 times out of 10, I would say in my experience, the estimate never, or the invoice that was billed at the end was never the lower end of the range. It was either the higher end of the range or it had gone up. And so that practice of giving ranges was actually changed by the Law Society. They said, nope, can't do that anymore. You need to give one figure as your estimate and you need to keep updating your clients if that estimate is going to increase and tell them why it's going to increase. So we do have a lot of regulations around that. There's also regulations for clients that if you don't agree with the invoice that you've been given, if you think too much time has been spent or you're not happy with it, you can actually get those costs assessed by a, an independent assessor. I don't know of many other industries that have that process. So there are ways to help protect clients from unfair pricing with lawyers. So it's something that we're all very conscious of as conscious of as lawyers are providing, you know, estimates that are reasonable. As I said, I don't do this practice now and I'm going to tell you what I do differently, but the estimates that people often get, the, the, the problem that I have with it, and you can probably see from my pauses, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but the difficulty they have with estimates is in my experience as a lawyer in a law firm, more often than not, the estimate was always exceeded. And maybe because the estimate was only taking into account drafting the actual document or preparing a document, and it didn't take into account the questions that the, the client might have or meeting with the client or phone calls or back and forth. And a lot of the time, clients would get that invoice and they would be understandably unhappy. They couldn't understand why it was so different to the estimate. And yes, the work had been done by the lawyers. Yes, there were phone calls and emails sent and updates to the document, all of that stuff. But there was probably a disclosure or the updating of that estimate that hadn't properly happened. Now, the big disadvantages that I see with the old way of charging, which is time-based for lawyers, is you never pay less than the estimate. I have not seen it once in my career because it's just, I don't, maybe the estimates aren't taking into account everything, into everything. Of course, we can't see the future, but the updates maybe don't happen quick enough because things happen quickly in matters. But the one thing is I've never seen 
a bill go out that was less than an estimate. Every phone call and every email is charged. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but clients feel like they're on the clock all the time. And the biggest downside to that is that it closes down communication quick smart. I have seen clients go from uh, sending questions and wanting to know more about things. They get their invoice, see how much they were charged above the estimate, and then the communication stops. And to me, that's a huge problem because how can we provide the right advice for our client? How do I know that they actually understand it if they're too fearful of clarifying or asking me a question because they're worried about the bill going up? I think as well that time recording rewards inefficiency. Now, it's probably no secret the, the legal industry is pretty slow to adapt and to innovate and... COVID did a lot to change that in terms of bringing in electronic signing and um, video conferencing for courts, all that kind of stuff. Kind of pushed us probably 10, 10 years quicker than we would have gone. And when I say it rewards efficiency, I'm not talking about specific individuals purposely taking longer to charge more. What I'm talking about is that it doesn't encourage innovation. And innovation can just mean creating documents that are ready to go for clients that only need a little bit of tailoring rather than starting from scratch every single time. It's not looking at ways where the process can be automated to make things more efficient for the client to reduce the cost that they pay. So it kind of lets the lawyers stay in this very old pattern of doing things and not looking at ways to automate or to innovate and to provide a more efficient service to clients. And the last disadvantage that I think about there is about time recording is it's not transparent. Yes, we have to tell you what the lawyer's hourly rate is. Yes, we have to tell you that we charge in six minute increments. Yes, we have to give you an estimate. Yes, we have to provide updated disclosures. But the billing practices of most law firms are to invoice you at the end of the month. And at that point, it's a bit too late to go, oh, actually, everything's increased by 20, 30, 40, 50%. Um, and here's your bill. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for hiring us. I think that it's a flawed system. It places a lot of pressure on, on lawyers to kind of continually update, which is very hard when you're doing the day-to-day -day work. But what I noticed in my experience in working with clients with this method is that they don't have a proper understanding of how much it's going to cost. It just feels sometimes like they have to give you a blank check. And I can totally understand why people are fearful of speaking to lawyers. You know, they don't know if they're going to get an invoice in the mail just for asking a question. So they're the main disadvantages that I think exist in the time recording framework. Now, I've been going on about how I'm different and I do do things differently and that's the old way and I do a new way. And it's not that I'm the only person doing this way, by the way. So when I say that, what I'm talking about is a fixed fee model. Now, like I said, some lawyers will argue with me on it and say, there's no way we could do that in our practice. It would not work at all. But I remember very early in my career, there was an article in the Law Society Journal. So the New South Wales Law Society um, is our governing body and they have a 
I don't know how regularly they put it out, but there's a Law Society Journal. It's a magazine. They've got articles um, on current topics and legal updates. And I remember an article talking about fixed fee pricing and how this was going to be the way that we were going to be moving forward. And it caused a bit of a stir in the office because there were some lawyers who thought there's no way that this is going to take hold. You know, we can't possibly charge our clients on a fixed fee basis, even though most of the work we're doing is quite similar. And once you've been working for long enough, you know how long it takes you to do things. So what is fixed fee pricing? So for me, it's value-based or outcome-based. It's fully transparent. So when people work with me, when I have a free 20-minute call. And when people jump on that call, the first thing I do is give them my little spiel about my philosophy around charging. And I explain to them that most lawyers will charge you on a time basis. Their hourly rate might be five, $600 plus. And for every six minutes of work, they will charge you for that work. So even if you get an estimate, if there's a bit more back and forth, then you get charged more. Fixed fee is different. It's exactly how it sounds. And when people work with me, I'll give them a fixed fee proposal, which says, this is the work we're going to do, break it down into stages, and that is the fee they pay. Now, I don't know the other firms that are doing fixed fee models, how they kind of structure their payments. But the way that I have worked it out, and this has been a lot of trial and error, mind you, because when I first started, yes, I had a rough idea how things, how long things took me when I worked in a law firm. It's very different when you work on your own and you don't have a team and you don't have admin support. So there was a lot of trial and error in my pricing. I've had to adjust, had to get clearer on how I describe it because sometimes it made sense to me when the, the, the stages started and finished, but it didn't for the client. So it's definitely something I continually work on to make sure I'm being as clear as I can. But for me, the way that I think about it is outcome based. So every time I achieve an outcome for a client, whether it's having a meeting, whether it's drafting a document, whether it's updating a document or preparing the final version, those are tangible things where I'm providing a deliverable to the client, providing them a document, giving them my time in a meeting, and they know exactly how much that part of the process is going to cost. I don't charge if you send me an email and you have an extra question, or if after the meeting you say, I forgot to ask you this, what, what do I do here? And the main reason that I do that is because I want people to communicate with me. It seems pretty simple, but like I gave in the examples of the time recording, if you feel like you're going to get charged a lot to ask questions, it can very quickly shut down those questions. And I want people to understand what we're doing. I don't want to just give you a document. See you later. Good luck understanding. That's not my job is not to just be um, an automated robot to type out documents for you. The reason I got into this job is to help people and help them understand something that's very complex in our world. And that's the legal system. So for me, it's personally very important that I help people understand that. And the way that I found I can best serve people in that way is to have that fixed pricing to allow that open communication. So I explain that to anyone that I jump on a free call with, and there's no obligation during that call either. If they don't want to go ahead with it, that's totally fine. 
hopefully I've given them a couple of things to think about or some steps that they can take on their own. The other thing about fixed pricing is that you can budget for that, especially because I work with small business. They want to know if they've got a project coming up and yes, they want to get legal advice to help make sure they're managing their risk. They want to know how much is that going to cost? And then they can factor that into their project budget or another way that my clients will often think about it is, oh, okay, if that's how much the legal document costs, I only need to get one client to pay for that or two clients. They can kind of rationalize it, I guess, in that way too. And you can look at it and go, well, yeah, I only have to do one extra package or service that I offer to have that legal document prepared. So it's also really helpful in this day and age to allow you to do a budget. The other thing is that I have found that it rewards and helps promote efficiency in my business. I would not be making any money if I was constantly redoing tasks that were repetitive or couldn't be automated. So it helped me to think about creative ways to, even as a sole practitioner, to be more efficient in what I do. So I use software like Calendly for my appointment. So I don't have to go back and forth with people to find a time that works for them. I use electronic signing for my client engagement documents. So I can send it off and the reminders are automated and people will sign it electronically. So it's looking at how can I be more efficient to help people rather than oh, I can just record all, all this time. You know, I can record the back and forth to make an appointment and charge the client for that, where that's not value adding for what I do. So fixed V is what I have done from the start of my business. I've seen law firms that work in family law use fixed fee. They do litigation and, you know, a lot of people say, well, how do you do it? Like, what about the things that you don't know? And sometimes there are stages that I don't know what's going to happen. So for me, I would rather say, these are the things we know. And up to this point, I can tell you how much it's going to cost, but maybe we need to wait and see what someone else says. Then we work out the next steps. So that's how I keep the um, costs being updated each stage of the way. It's not about saying, I'm trying to look into the future and work out every possible thing that might happen. We only look at the things that we know at the start and especially in negotiations, you know, I do leasing, commercial and retail leasing, business sales, business purchases. So yes, there's a lot of negotiation and we don't know how much negotiation is going to happen. But I've over time through trial and error worked out what those stages of negotiation normally look like and how much work is involved in each of those stages. So there is definitely a way to do it, regardless of the type of law that you do. It is much, not I wouldn't say easier, but it was a bit less trial and error for me to kind of work out the fixed fees for just documents that I prepare. So the terms and conditions work that I do, contractor agreements, employment agreements, where I'm only just working with the business owner. That can be, um, that took a little bit less time to work out the groove of the stages of work and how to be clear and to explain that. Where the negotiation side, yes, it took me a little bit longer to kind of work out where can I realistically give the fixed 
quote to and then where do we have to kind of come back stop and start again with that so it's worked really well for me personally just from a business owner perspective because people know exactly what they're up for when they work with me there are no surprises it was one of the things that I hated working in a law firm was end of month so I'm going back to the old way here at the end of the month once you've recorded all your time all the bills would be prepared that was basically just a printout of all the time that all the lawyers had recorded on each client's matter then the partners would basically go through and edit that and then send it out to the client and some of the time a lot of the time the clients you'd get calls or emails can I talk about the invoice what's this for why is this so much more and it was just not what I wanted to do I wanted to help people and to do the legal work I didn't want to be reviewing invoices and going back and forth so that's more the personal side of I just didn't enjoy that part of it so I eliminated it from my business and it's worked out really well so now I don't have to think about that at all I invoice after work has been done and the clients know that the invoice is coming so there's no surprise so I hope that that was informative I feel like it's a topic I could talk about a lot but I did have some hesitation talking about to start off with I think that yes people are very wary of legal costs and understandably so when um, hourly rates and six minute intervals are being charged but there are law firms out there that are doing fixed fee not just me um, I wouldn't say it's becoming the majority yet it's much more common so you can definitely find more law firms out there doing that and I think from a business perspective it just makes so much more sense for me for the clients that I work with and I think that it just creates such a better way of working with people to make sure that they're understanding what we're doing so that's a big value of mine that I go on about all the time that I want to help people understand the law I don't want them to feel like it's this mysterious thing that only certain people have access to I'm not about gatekeeping the law so I want to share with you everything that I know I hope that was helpful let me know send me a dm or send me an email has it changed your view about lawyers maybe maybe not but that's all for me if you want to grab a copy of semplice you can head to my website if you're in newcastle i'll leave the event details below and i'll catch you on the next episode